and welcome to Economia, a new podcast by the Latino Economic Development Center. I'm Marjorie Nemes, LEDC's Interim Executive Director and CEO. And I'm Monica Martinez, LEDC's Communications Manager. For those who don't know, LEDC is a nonprofit focused on economic development and is headquartered in Washington, D.C., with offices in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and Puerto Rico. We focus on building and preserving assets among low to moderate income Latinos and other underserved communities. In other words, we work to close the racial and ethnic wealth gap. We launched this podcast because we believe it's important to engage in the broader economic conversation. We also want to make sure Latino voices are being heard and that we are providing our clients a platform to share their stories and experiences. Furthermore, LADC is a well-known leader in its field and region and the only economic development organization focused on the Latino community. Here with us today is Nathaniel Rue. He's one of the three co-founders of Sweetgreen and serves as their chief brand officer. He has been recognized as a key innovator in food and business and is a graduate of Georgetown University. Nathaniel and his co-founder started Sweetgreen in 2007, opening their first location in Georgetown in Washington, D.C. Sweetgreen is a mission-driven restaurant that serves healthy food at scale. Their vision is to be as accessible as traditional fast food, but far more transparent and honest. Today, Sweetgreen is one of the fastest growing restaurant companies in the U.S. with 130 locations around the country. Welcome, Nathaniel, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. First and foremost, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me. And I uh, just have a lot of gratitude for LEDC because you guys believed in us from the beginning. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for making the time. And so we wanted to start with uh, a little bit about, about your background. Given LEDC's focus on the Latino community and on racial and ethnic inequity, we wanted to start this discussion with who you are, how you identify. Um, some of our listeners might be confused as to why the founder of a large and growing corporation is being interviewed on one of our podcasts, but you and your founders were one of our clients. Um, even more intriguing for some of our listeners may be your ethnic background. Um, we find that the mainstream understanding of the Latino community in the U.S. is that it's a homogeneous community, and your story demonstrates that that's not the case at all. Um, so I don't know if you if you wouldn't mind talking about sure. your and your parents' ethnic background, national origins. Sure. So uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, um, and I'm half Mexican, half Chinese. So my mom is Mexican, my father's Chinese. And um, I'm just very fortunate because I got to grow up in such diverse backgrounds. Um, and I also grew up uh, with parents that were first-generation immigrant entrepreneurs. And so I had a kind of a front-row seat watching them build their business. And um, it was a really amazing kind of formidable growth experience for me as a young child just to kind of see that um, from the ground up. And so... Uh, I went. I ended up going to high school in, in LA. Um, I went to college at Georgetown in Washington D.C. and I met uh, two two friends who are now my business partners. Uh, Fifteen years later, and uh, I met John, uh, who was my business partner in accounting class freshman year. Uh, we were. Uh, I was sitting behind him, and he was wearing a Lakers T-shirt. He was also from LA, and I met Nick. Uh, my other business partner uh, it, through John because they lived on the same floor freshman year. And the one thing that really bonded us together was that actually all of our parents uh, were first generation immigrant entrepreneurs. And we had this bond for wow. food, but we also had this kind of underlying bond of this idea of entrepreneurship and really the permission to go do something that was a bit untraditional. Um, at the time, which was starting a restaurant. 
And so um, really, when I look back at my upbringing and um, my time with my family, is just really fortunate to have uh, to come from such a diverse background. Now, Nathaniel, before we talk about where Sweetgreen is, is today, let's rewind to 2007. Can you share with us how Sweetgreen was born? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so like I mentioned, I met uh, my two business partners in college. And we saw an opportunity to create something uh, that we wanted as students ourselves. Uh, we, were, we were actually just three college students looking, simply looking for a healthier place to eat. And at the time when we started, we almost saw that there was two options. One that was you had food that was slow, expensive, and fresh, or you had food that was kind of fast, cheap, and unhealthy. And we just saw an opportunity mm. where you didn't have to sacrifice quality for convenience. And we, uh, we found a tiny old burger shack, 560 square feet on M Street, uh, just outside campus. It was across the street from our apartment, and we spent uh, our senior year really writing a business plan for a restaurant that could serve healthy food. We had no experience in really restaurant design or culinary. We had no experience in building restaurants. Uh, we were extremely over budget, and, and we, when we started building that restaurant, we were three months delayed. So everything that could have gone wrong went wrong um, in that process. But uh, what was amazing was that we had each other and we had this vision of if we could really just make this first restaurant work, we could prove that it was possible to almost like really reimagine what fast food can be. And, um, mm. and that was the original idea was how do we create a restaurant company that really was ingredient driven versus kind of chef driven? And how do we almost think about creating a brand around that? You know, when we looked at when we look at the food companies in 2007, and we looked at the ones that had the best marketing or the best storytelling, they're actually the ones that were the most unhealthy. And so, as kind of students in in our quest to redefine fast food, we we saw a massive opportunity just to take that playbook and really. Find find ways to do that for real food, um, and so that's really been our mission. Our mission at Sweet Green is how do we connect more people to real food, but do it in a way that connects food to culture and connects to lifestyle. So a year after opening your first location, you all decided to open a second location. Um, what was the decision? What was that decision like, and the process? And it's my understanding that at this point you all came to LEDC, um, if I'm correct here. <laughs> so we opened our first location in Georgetown on M Street. Um, it was so it was very small, but it ended up doing well. Um, and we decided that from the success of that restaurant, we were going to open a second one, uh, and this one was going to be our flagship store in Dupont Circle. And uh, it was right next to the, the Fresh Farm Farmer's Market that happens every Sunday. And so it was going to kind of be our, our way to kind of show that we could grab produce from our parking lot where the farmer's market was and really use it on our front lines and serve our customers. It was much bigger. Uh, it, was, it had seating inside and we were really excited, but it ended up costing us more money. And at the time, 
you know, the t- now rest- like food technology delivery apps, all these things are very sexy and cool. But at the time in 2008, restaurants were still, you know, there, there was still liability and very hard to get financing for. Um, so mm-hmm. we, we went to all of the banks that we were using and nobody would give us a loan. Um, and it was really difficult to raise money, not to mention it was still the middle of the recession. So we were three college students, opened a restaurant, middle of the recession, and with a restaurant company. It's like the formula for everything that shouldn't be right when it comes to uh, building a company. And so we decided uh, to get really resourceful and one of our bankers actually uh, told us about the LEDC and knew about my background and um, and we met with the LEDC uh, in 2008, I think it was, and you guys were the only person that gave us our first loan. I think it was for $50,000 and it that $50,000 was really helpful um, in helping us like get to the finish line of that second restaurant. And the LADC was honestly the first corporation that actually took a chance on, on giving us money outside of our investors. So um, we have a special place in our heart uh, for you guys. We have a special yeah. place in our hearts for you all as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it's really great to hear that our work has, you know, that level of impact. Um, and so I, I, you started to touch on this, but what is some advice um, that you would give entrepreneurs who, str- who are struggling uh, to find capital to start or expand their businesses? Um, I don't know if, if in retrospect or if you all have learned anything along the way that you might be able to share. Yeah, so when we, so when we originally raised money for our first location, uh, again, it was the middle of the recession and it was very, very difficult to go find uh, a lot of investors. And so what we did was we actually, we raised $300,000 for the first location in probably increments between of like five and ten thousand dollars, you know, and max fifty thousand dollar checks. So it was a lot of people, and I would say that it was almost like before crowdfunding became a term, right? We we had to go out and we had to find all these people to help us open our first restaurant. But what was really amazing about that process is because we were forced to talk to so many people and ask for money, we had to really practice our script and practice how to talk about the company and get a lot of feedback and get a lot of no's and understand where we needed to to really tweak how we told the story of Sweetgreen. And I think that process of just going out there and asking for money is, is kind of like the gauntlet of any startup company and, and it's a really amazing way to learn. And so I guess my advice would be persistence is also a powerful, you know, a powerful tool that sometimes getting a lot of no's is important in the beginning to get that first yes. And once you get that first yes, it's really understanding why that person is investing and really take notes from that story to apply it to your future conversations. Now, it's been 14 years since you opened your first sweet green. You are now at 130 locations. What has that process been like? And, you know, at what point did you all decide you were going to go on and, you know, dominate the world? Uh, great question. In a strange way, we actually still feel like it's the beginning. Uh, we've been doing wow. it 
15 years, the three of us are still friends. And we actually still share one office and sit at one table. And I think that there is a real aligned vision of thinking about Sweetgreen as a hundred year business. And, uh, and that's, what's really exciting to us is we, we don't pretend to have all the answers and we, we've made every single mistake you can when it comes to opening a business. But to us, it's more about the journey of it and kind of just constantly improving the experience, constantly improving the food that we serve um, and how we can really just serve more people better food. And the sweet green of, mm-hmm. call it 10 years ago, is so much different than the sweet green today and it will be so much different 10 years from now. And I feel like it's just this mindset of how do we constantly learn forward um, and continue to just constantly improve what we're doing. And as Sweetgreen goes from 100, 130 locations today to beyond, we really have to evolve the way we do things, think about uh, food at scale a bit differently. Um, but what always will remain true is just our mission and that big vision we have of really reimagining fast food. What are some things that you you have learned along the way that you wish you knew before you start starting this journey? I would say um, a lot of times growth happens personally or professionally in the places that are unknown. And Mm. I think for companies and businesses, it's kind of easier to take a very linear path, um, which is important at times. But being open to taking a nonlinear approach to things and seeing things from the opposite angle can help really step change certain moments of the company so that you can one, differentiate yourself and two, do something that's a bit more, call it explosive or interesting than just staying on a linear path to to growth. And it's different for every company. Um, but. Sometimes it's investing ahead of the curve. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, trying, experimenting more. Um, but I think just for any entrepreneur, being comfortable in getting uncomfortable um, in the unknown mm-hmm. is something I would say. Noted. Now, <laughs> uh, what's mm-hmm. what's really admirable, you know, about um, Sweet Green is you all have always prioritized limiting your environmental footprint. Uh, do you believe that the practices you have implemented are relatively simple for other food-related businesses to adopt? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, at Sweet Green, we we try to integrate sustainability into all parts of our business model. So it doesn't just sit on the side as a separate corporate social responsibility. It's actually integrated into the business. Mm -hmm. But in terms, I would say first in terms of our menu, we're we're already very much more plant forward and plant based. We still serve chicken and things like that on, on the menu, but the majority of the things that we serve are vegetables. And just by virtue of that, we're kind of already 30% more kind of less carbon intensive than the normal restaurant. And I would just encourage people to really think about the menus they're serving and take a look at their ingredients and making sure that there's a balance of things that, you know, people want to eat, but that also are earth friendly. Um, Because I think that's that's the biggest thing is creating a menu design 
um, for for the future. Um, and that's kind of how, how we've always thought about it. But from packaging to call it uh, the way we design our restaurants, we're really intentional about just the way all of it comes together. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, LADC is venturing into this space, so we're really curious about it and and hoping to get other businesses thinking about it. But as part of your mission, um, it, part of your mission is to build healthier communities and also includes combating food insecurity. Tell us a bit about that and, and what why it's such an important issue for you all uh, and what do you hope to accomplish? Yeah, our goal is, is again, connecting people to real food. And um, at Sweet Green, we try to find ways that we can use our mission to create impact. Um, and a lot of that, what we've been focused on is two areas. One is, call it food education and then food access. And education for us doesn't have to mean, call it just academic. It can mean storytelling. It can mean getting people excited about kelp, which is a sustainable ingredient. Um, and so we try to find ways through with education to connect to that next generation in a more emotional way. Um, we, we have a program at Sweet Green called Sweet Green in Schools, which is essentially a curriculum that we've created to help teach third and fourth graders the basics of nutrition um, and getting kids to kind of think about eating healthy at a younger age. Um, but at the same time, we've also partnered with uh, people like Naomi Osaka recently, who's a change maker herself, and being able to work together on a much bigger platform to show that, uh, that healthy food can be fast food at the same time. So education is kind of a big thing that is important to the brand as we scale, and, and again, isn't a side project. It's fully integrated into the company. And then on the food access piece, it's more how do we serve more people this type of food and, and uh, not only by opening restaurants, but we've also worked with kind of like community partners in the places where we have restaurants. Um, recently, we did a project here in LA to help a friend of ours, uh, Kelly at Hank's Mini Market, um, redesign her kind of family's liquor store into a place you could get healthy food. And um, again, just finding ways for us to leverage the resources that we have um, on the team and our mission uh, to make a bigger impact. Well, you guys are doing pretty incredible work. And, you know, we read about the uh, partnership with Naomi Osaka and, you know, just congratulations on everything. I know you you're, you said that you feel like you're just starting off, but for a company that's just starting off, you all are pretty inspiring. Thank um, you. So, <laughs> we couldn't end this episode without, you know, asking you what's one piece of advice you would give to an aspiring minority entrepreneur. There's real, there's real power in anything that you do when you act like an owner. And I think with growing up, especially watching my parents and and being from both the Mexican and Chinese culture, there's this real pride in entrepreneurship. And there's a real pride of ownership when you're able to almost act like the founder of any company that you work for. Whether you're, you are the CEO, the founder, or you're a new employee, this idea of ownership and just taking accountability and getting excited about it um, has always been kind of a thread for us at Sweetgreen. You know, three of us have probably done every single job from working the register to you know, launching advertising campaigns. And I think that there's no um, 
that's that's the best way to really understand a company is just by acting like an, an owner. That, that's amazing advice for owners and employees. <laughs> so thank you uh, for sharing that. And, and thank you, um, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, make sure you visit your local Sweetgreen and join their movement. Thank you, Nathaniel, for joining us. We wish you continued success and, and please keep in touch. Uh, until next time, everyone. No, and, and thank you for having me. And I, and I, get, I just want to say LEDC gave Sweetgreen their first chance when it came to uh, thinking about how we could get loans and, and financing in a different way. And um, we have just the most gratitude and respect for what you guys do every day. And, and thank you for, for taking a chance on us. Okay.